A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 395th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Ryan Valdez, Max Goldberg, George Ketsios, and Sean Paul Cardamon, who just emailed us a joke about watching his reel because he thinks we don't like watching reels. What are you talking about? I love watching reels. Sometimes. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlow. Today, it's a Matt and Oren catch-up episode. We are digging through why you should or shouldn't care about tools cameras mics rigs etc our attitudes about show running and also directing we have some kind of big broad lofty thoughts on those um and then we'll hop into some unpaid endorsements a nice clean episode yeah and this is episode 395 and as many of our listeners know my favorite number in the world is 396 you know that right Mm -hmm. we've talked about Mm -hmm. this yeah yeah. only buy things that cost three dollars and 96 cents your uh, your vanity plate is uh three 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 nine six yeah, the I came in 396th place in the LA Marathon a few years mm-hmm. ago. And um, and the reason I bring it up is because I wanted to do something incredibly special for our 396th episode, which is the next mm-hmm. episode, and that's going to be our live episode. By the time you listen to this one, our live one will have been recorded last night. This episode is coming out the night after our live recording, so guess what? You missed it. My live podcasting fit. I got this shirt a while ago that I really like in St. Louis. It, it like looks casual, mm. but it's kind of nice. Oh, you're going to go nice? Are you going costume? Well, I have like a printed shirt with like coffins and skulls on it. That I probably will pull out. You don't get to wear it too much. It's like, you know, a Halloween shirt. I thought you were going to just wear a shirt that says letterboxed or something on it. <laughs> Maybe I'll wear my movies hat. Well, yeah. No, I don't know what I'm going to wear. I... I'll probably just wear my normal outfit that I wear to like go out to dinner with friends. Should I wear a Halloween thing? I have an elf costume. You do love that elf costume. (laughs) Yeah. I just, you know, I'm actually shooting something with elves, except now we're not allowed to call them elves because of a freaking elf on a shelf. And I'm like, those people don't own elves, but they're worried about it. So now we call, we call our elf a little helper. But, um, the, like in my treatment, I have a, a bunch of pictures of me in that elf costume. I'm like, I knew this would have come in handy at some point, <laughs> having so many photographs of myself in an elf costume. You're like, here I am drunk at all of these different events. Speaking of, at Sawhorse events, which is where our live show is. Yeah, the irony is I didn't even <laughs> buy the elf costume. I mean, I'm Jewish. It's against my religion to buy elf costumes. But the Sawhorse guys bought it for me uh, at their first Christmas party. They brought it for me. So I've been wearing it ever since. That polyester is a pretty good material. You should check it out. <laughs> Yeah, it's never going to biodegrade. Anyway, should we t- tell people about our Patreon just in case? Patreon.com slash just shoot a pod. If you would have signed up before today, you would have been able mm-hmm. to get a guaranteed ticket for our live show. 
that was last night. That was amazing, by the way. I can't believe you missed it. You should have been there. Man, really incredible. Um, though, seriously, if you do want to stay in the loop on our live shows um, and get all sorts of other perks, uh, patreon.com slash justshootapod is the place to go and sign up and support the show. Anyway, patreon.com slash justshootapod. It is where we do things. By the way, there might be like an Arc Studio Pro ad coming right around now. I don't know when it's going to come in the episode, but someone emailed me today and said that they thought that ad was pretty funny. You know, I listened to it the other day. I thought it was, it's not bad. It's Are not you bad. serious? I, th- I thought it was so bad. Um, not not from an Arc Studio Pro standpoint, but from a us trying to be funny standpoint. You know, not to toot our own horns. I think you did a good job with the edit, and I think the performances are not bad. No, come I, on. I have notes. I would I would restructure things tiny a tiny bit, but yeah, they're, it's pretty good. Anyhow, Matthew, do you mind if I call you Matthew? You know, you sound like my mom, but you know, this this show is a wreck. Oren, I've been dying to know. You you pitch this topic of why you should or shouldn't care about tools i.e. cameras, mics, rigs, etc. That's a thing that we often have to talk about like when we're putting together a bid or when, even when you're a little further down the line of like, okay, what camera are we shooting on is always a common thing. What lenses, blah, 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 blah. Oren, do you think you should care about those, the, those details? So, yes, I think you should care about them, but I don't think you should waste too much emotional energy on them especially if you have mm-hmm. a cinematographer and a producer because I find myself recently in the last year arguing with producers about the camera because mm-hmm. they keep telling me that we're budgeted for an Alexa Mini which is a camera that has shot many many Oscar winning films yeah it's great incredible camera shoots 3.2k shoots an excellent skin tone all the stuff you want but then, you know, the cinematographer always wants to shoot on an Alexa 35, like the latest version of this camera, mm-hmm. which is, you know, mm-hmm. $600 more a day or something like that. Or sometimes they'll have like a Venice, which I, I've been enjoying this, the, the Sony Venice cameras. Nice, shoot 6K, all this other stuff has this crazy mode, the Rialto mode that lets you do crazy handheld stuff very easily. Y- you know, it's like you're, you're exerting so much energy like trying to move things and rearrange mm-hmm. things to get the Alexa 35 because it's got like a little better dynamic range. And, and I've just kind of realized that I don't, I'm not going to like yeah. worry about that anymore. My last shoot, it was like the DP's like, yeah, I was thinking Alexa 35 and the master primes. And I was like, sure, that sounds great. And then they're like, bad news, Oren, we can only get the cook S fours. I was like, that's, mm-hmm. I don't care. That's great. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Shot a whole feature on yes. those. looked just fine. Um, and great. and yeah. then, and I realized like if you spent all that time you're fighting about gear, just like making your shot list a little bit better, hanging out with the actors, like working on the mm-hmm. art direction, nailing the wardrobe, it just you get so much more mileage out of that. And I'm not talking about like, are we gonna shoot on an iPhone versus an Alexa? I'm just saying like sure. once you get into yeah. the the nitty gritty, um, like I, I find myself not wanting to care about the tools as much as i used to you know when you start out of course you want to you're watching youtube videos about you know is the yeah is this gopro sharper or is this you know sure. other camera sharper but now i feel like i don't i just don't want to waste my time with that anymore what's your you have so, you said so, you have a strong viewpoint on this yeah to me it's very clear if there is a specific feature that we need 
does it need to shoot super high res? Does it need to shoot super slow motion? Something like that. Those that I'm struggling to think of another example. Does it form factor? Does it need to be really small or lightweight because we're going to be mounting it to cars or this or that or whatever? That's all I care about because but, the. But do you even can't you at that even at that point you can say to the cinematographer like hey let's get a camera we can mount on the car right are you saying like yep. oh we should get a Komodo or we should get an FX three or we should get whatever or are you just I don't care I don't care like I I think uh, look Komodo versus you know there's like things people care about a little bit more than otherwise like you know is it something where people don't like working with Sony's or people really love working with Alexa or something like that. Like if there's quirks to the DP where they're like a diehard in one ecosystem or something like that, fine. But like, I guess what I'm really trying to say is that the image quality that you get out of most cameras is so incredible now that to your point, you should just be caring about everything else because you can shoot something really ugly with the best camera in the world and you can shoot something really beautiful with a very cheap camera. So don't don't sweat it, basically. Lenses, I think, uh, similarly, do we need a really specific characteristic from them? Or are we just kind of going for, they look nice and sharp. Right, and cinematographers you know? earmuffs, please, for this next section. <laughs> Because I know you think that it makes such a difference. And it does make such a difference. But we'd love for you to like decide, make that decision yeah. and figure yeah. out what's in budget and what's not in budget. Like, I mean, I do want to know the lenses. And obviously, like, if we're doing anamorphic or spherical, whatever, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's some decisions that affect the style to a, a great amount, you know? But, but yeah, I, I don't know. This other question I feel like I'm running into over and over is... Should we shoot on a gimbal or a steady cam or like a Trinity or a dolly or a slider? Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. another thing where I'm like, I want the camera to start here and end here. <laughs> you tell me whatever you want, you know? Yeah, that that does have greater impacts in your schedule, right? Because it, it depends on, you know, the scale to a certain extent. Like if you have an extra camera body that's already rigged on a gimbal and there's an operator standing by ready to go the difference between that and a steady cam you know probably not that big a deal unless there you need a big boom or something like that or you need to get super low or something you know the, it, then to your point like the camera move determines what tool you need if it's something where you're going to have to take your only camera off of the dolly level it on a different tool blah 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 that eats into your schedule in a way that's significant and i it always drives me insane yeah yeah me too this shoot i had last week i showed you some of the shots we have this one shot the opening shot is this wide shot of a party and this woman walks in through the back door she's probably like 40 feet away from the camera and she says something to camera and i want to end up in like a medium shot of her so from a super mm-hmm. wide, like a super mm-hmm. wide lens, like an 18 or something, so I end up in a medium shot. And my, the entire shot needs to last two seconds. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like obviously a gimbal or a steady cam shot because you have to fly, I mean, or even a yeah. drone, drone shot. <laughs> like you have to go so fast to go from the super wide to super close. But we had that exact same issue that you're talking about. It's like, well, we only have one camera. If we go on the gimbal to go off the gimbal and back on the, like to the do- dolly and all those things. 
And in the end, I was like, let's just put on the dolly. We're shooting 4.6K. We'll just ride on the floor. The problem with the dolly is you see the track, but like super wide lens, flat floor. We'll just ride on the dolly. And if we need to stabilize a little in post, if we need to do a little push in and post, that's fine. But I don't want to waste an hour yeah. on this yeah. like slightly better shot. Um, and the DP was like, okay. <laughs> he talked to yeah. a grip and there, yeah, dolly grip. He's like, sure. You sh- So you could see the track on the floor? If we would have had track, we just, we ran on the floor oh, with no track. Oh, cool, yeah. cool, cool, great. Okay. Because the reason I was like, wait, what? I'm sure you could work your way around it and push it in post or whatever, even paint it out a little. But when client sees dolly track in the shot, they're like, wait, there's, this is a huge mistake. Even if you have a perfect plan for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why I was like, wait, huh? We had a anyway. Few, yeah. Things like that. But yeah. So this thing I'm working on now, we want the shot of this guy running. It's supposed to look like he filmed it himself and we, he's wearing this kind of funny outfit and we want to see the whole outfit and it's a, and it's a social media thing mm-hmm. one by one. So he, he filmed it himself. He's holding the camera. Yeah. And we yeah. want to see his whole outfit. So yeah, the obvious thing to do here is to shoot on an Insta 360 or a GoPro mm-hmm. Max, like those 360 cameras with those, like they call mm-hmm. them the invisible selfie stick, right? Because the, the software stitches the video in a way where you don't see the selfie stick and you can hold it like three feet away from you and it gets an entire mm-hmm. shot of your body and it's awesome. But the client insists it must be shot on an iPhone. The client does not want it shot on an Insta 360. It's such a weird thing. And so today I just spent like an hour running around with my iPhone seeing if I could get a good shot of myself running around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, cause I was a super high selfie. Did that work? So like I tried super like high almost point selfie, mode, almost pointing yeah. to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's hard cause you're, you're running and there's also mm-hmm. dialogue. Um, but I was like, this looks okay. I, I was adamant. Like it has to be the 360. And I was showing all mm-hmm. these videos, all these amazing videos and trying to send them to the agent, to the producer, to send to the agency and send the client. It's like, it's got to be so much better. Um, we can reframe it. It'll stabilize the way better stabilizer, all this stuff. And then I just and shot is it. Is this just one, one shot or. Yeah. It's like jump cut, like sequence of he's yeah. in running in different oh, places. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and I shot it in selfie camera and I was like, Oh, you know what? It's not that bad. And then mm-hmm. I put it on the wide lens and just held the camera backwards, you know, mm-hmm. like yep. using yep. the front facing camera or whatever, the back, back camera. And I ran and it actually looked pretty good. <laughs> and you could see my whole yeah. body. You could see my feet to my head. What phone do you have? The iPhone 13, 13 Pro. Pro. Yeah. Because the, I think 14s and newer have action mode. Have you seen action oh, mode? Oh yeah. I haven't used, I've seen some like, again, talk about spending too much time on the tools. I, when it came out, I think I watched a lot of videos comparing it mm-hmm. to the other modes, the other stabilization it, mode. Action mode, it looks pretty incredible. However, I think it might actually counteract what you're trying to do. Like if the point is to get some to of that chaos, that, uh, the chaos and the person using the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so in the end, you know, the rest of the team was like, Oren, run, let's shoot 360, 360. Like, let's get it. Let's buy the 360 and show them. And we'll shoot both ways. And we'll show them it's better. And I was like, uh, I feel like I just did all this fighting for nothing because the iPhone just looks, it looks fine, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I think, though, that that's less a 
argument about whether you should care about the tools or not and more about um shooting test footage that's just advocating for like yeah just go and see yeah Um, i guess you're right but i also was like sometimes you know we're just fighting so hard for this a lens or a camera or a rig mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's worth it and it depends on the video you know 12 mil what are we even doing yeah yeah but sometimes like, hey, worry what's on, about what's on the other side of the camera yeah, more exactly. and let, yeah. you know, other people worry about what's behind the camera or what, what the camera is. Anyhow, that's all I was thinking about. Um, I'm, I'd love to hear everyone else's thoughts. I'm sure it's, it's one place where I think DPs and directors probably either disagree or agree very much that the other person should worry about the other thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. Speaking of worrying about stuff, what what are you thinking about? You're talking about show running and yeah, and the balance of creativity versus management versus mentorship and how it's it's a thing you've been trying to balance recently. I think of the old Mitch Hedberg joke about how when he was a stand-up comic, people would be like, "Oh, you're so great, you're so great." Do you have any scripts? Do you write? And he's like, "Oh man, that's like asking um, a, a chef. Oh man, the." you know, can you farm? (laughs) Uh, how they're kind of slightly different disciplines. And I'm kind of going through this thing where as a, as I'm sure running, you know, I'm running a team and I get to do a lot of, a lot of noting for sure. And less and less having my hand, my fingers on the keyboard, less of, less of the doing more of the, um, telling people how to do things. And, um, you know, we've done some some things to kind of get me back in the mix in ways that I think are really helpful and, and gratifying and good for the show. But right. Is it um, um, like if there's a good joke, you take credit for it? Is that how it works? Mm-hmm. I say that? That's me. That's me. You know, actually, it's funny. I, I really have been. Um, that's It's a thing where like sometimes people will be like, oh, who wrote that joke? And I kind of have started really adamantly being like, we all wrote it. We all wrote the joke because unless you wrote it, unless I wrote it, unless I no, no, because like the, the truth is, is that we're all plussing each other and we're all riffing. And so like it, whose mouth did it come out of or who typed it? I can almost always tell, but like, it's a group think that, and the, the, I'm fortunate that this room is really tight and really understands each other very well. But so the slices of the pie for me it's a thin slice of actually doing the thing that got me the job in the first place, being good at writing and directing and editing and all of those, all of the craft is how I got to this position. And now I'm doing much more, not just management, not just team management, but like studio notes and big picture stuff. And a lot, I'm in a lot of meetings now and then also the other thing I've been thinking about is um, just because you know how to do something doesn't mean you know how to teach someone to do the thing that you do. And so that's what notes are in a certain sense, but and it's not like I'm ever giving the same note over and over again, but getting a team member to understand how you do the thing you do or how your talent does the thing that they do how to write in the voice of a 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. ...show or to figure out what the rubric of what good means you know, in, in the context of what you're making and getting them sharper and, and closer to that and with every step is like a skill unto itself that is very different than being good at making funny videos. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like instead of sharing your note of what to do to make it better, it's like sharing your note of how to think about it mm-hmm. so that you get to a better version of it. But also while you're on the treadmill of like needing to release things all the time. Right. But it's due in five minutes. Yeah. So why not just tell them what it should be? (laughs) Yeah. 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 And also you prefer to do that. Like it's so fun to just be like, okay, hold on. Well, let me just give me 30 minutes. I'm going to put my headphones on. I'll just rewrite this, you Mm -hmm. know? So it's so fun. And and I've done that a little bit lately. you call me and you're like, tell me in my headphones what to write. Yeah. 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 Uh, Is it chat G? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, GBT? GPT, of course. Dude, um, we should buy chatgtp.com right now <laughs> and just send people in the wrong direction on every yeah, question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but no, like, you know, sometimes you just have to roll your sleeves up and do it. And that's fun. And so there's also the, the introspection of like, well, is this my job or is it better to be guiding people to do this so that things scale so that we can have more shows and do other things and broaden our horizons. Yeah. That's, that's where my head is at. It's all very, it's heady, big picture stuff. But were you saying, I feel like you were expressing to me before we started recording that you kind of, yeah, wish you were doing more. Like, I guess if you look at someone whose career you admire, Mm -hmm. let's Mm -hmm. say, 
I, I don't know if you are a big fan or not, but let's say like a Martin Scorsese, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Do you yeah. think he spends more time doing the management stuff or doing the fingers in the business stuff? That's a great question. Well, well look, there's the, you know, is Scorsese interviewing, a, you know, six writers to staff or something like that? Probably not. Maybe like Jordan Peele is like a better example yeah. because maybe Jordan Peele is producing something and giving notes on something and making his own stuff all at the same time. I'll say this, take, taking a step back even further. I think that the people that you can name, mm-hmm. not just a working director, but the people like the, the household name directors do have to have some of that in them. You know what I mean? The reason we know the name Steven Spielberg, not just because he makes great movies, but because like he produces a ton, you know, when you learned the name Steven Spielberg, it was probably because of Tiny Toons and not because of E.T. Um, you, Animaniacs, is that what you're talking about? He did both. Steven Spielberg presents Animaniacs and Tiny Toons. What's yeah. Tiny Toons? I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus Christ. Uh... I know Steven Spielberg from Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. Of course you do. You have to do the big picture stuff, right? So like, and you have to like it, right? And it's not that I don't like it. I like it very much. But um, striking the balance of writing, shooting, and work in the room or, or, or doing the business side, producing essentially is something I think I'm leaning more into producing and less into writing lately and yeah certainly miss it certainly miss it when steven spielberg is directing indiana jones and he's trying to communicate to his crew the intensity the tone the color palette whatever and he doesn't have google slides and freaking shotdeck.com and google to find images and to show clips and an iphone to shoot his own version of it how is he telling his team what to do? You're even one up you. Remember, this is like pre VHS era. So that means that like you can't even be like, well, you know that scene in this movie because most likely they haven't seen the movie unless no, it's they pull like, out the TV guide. They're like, oh, it's playing on Wednesday night at 2 a.m. <laughs> Watch yeah. that scene. Yeah. yeah. Lawrence of Arabia is playing at the repertory theater. Everybody, we got to <laughs> go together. So how does Spielberg communicate to his crew what to do? This is like a backward segue into my half of this topic. Yeah. I mean, I think he had boards. Like storyboards? And meetings. Yeah. Like he sat with a storyboard artist and they, they had concept art too. They had concept art. But really what we're saying is like, not only have the, the tools advanced, but the scale of project has embraced those tools at a smaller budget. Right. So like it used to be that commercials all basically were mega budgets and that movies were all relatively large budgets or truly indie DIY, you know, you know, you can make Night of the Living Dead or something like that, but you can't, you can't make Indiana Jones. So I think that like, you know, when you had a, like a Hollywood movie, quote unquote, you had previs and and that sort of stuff. Right. And so like, yeah, you're literally bringing in artisans to like paint and draw and like you're having conversations and pulling swatches and shooting Polaroids and things like that. Research, you know, pulling out books and going to the library and saying, this right. is what I want. You got like your Atlas. Like in the Sahara, they have a great boulder dash. 
Let's design a scene around that. When I first started uh, at the director's bureau as an intern, Roman Coppola, who had founded the company, gave me like a stack of books, like art books with like um, post-it notes in them. And he would be like, basically I had to just scan all of the images in those books wow. for him to just have in his archive. Just like, oh, I like this image. I like that image. I just want to have all of these handy for when it comes time to conjure them into something. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I had a book called uh, like 30 Photoshop Tips and Tricks. And when mm-hmm. someone was like, can you design me a logo? I'd be like, sure. And just open it to a random page. And it's like how to make a water drop in Photoshop. I was like, <laughs> water drop logo coming up. But yeah, I guess there was the time where, you know, you'd go to Barnes and Noble and just mm-hmm. flip through some book and get some ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's the same now. Um, I mean, the way it kind of segues into my topic, my half of this, to- this same topic of kind of the balance is I was in the car with a producer today and I was telling him that to me, directing is like 50% creative and 50% communication. And so you can be super creative and come up with great shots and be amazing with actors and understand emotionality and storytelling and all those various things. But if you are not good at communicating that to the crew, it doesn't really add up to anything. And in most jobs I've had over the last couple of years, I feel like I'm really good at communicating to the crew. You know, I do previs, I do storyboard, I do shoot my own things. I do find a bazillion references. And sometimes I feel like it's at the expense of the creative stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm spending so much time referencing other things and copying other things. I'm not investing enough time just thinking to myself of like, how would Oren shoot this? You know? Yeah, sure. (laughs) There's a lot of like, yeah, you're, you're limited by like the references that you can find. So you're like, well, this medium shot that I was thinking of, you know, I found a still that's pretty close. And so you show everyone the, the still that's really close, but not literally what you're right. thinking of in your head. And then literally we'll be on set and the DP will be like, oh, this is the, right? Like, we're doing it like this thing, this reference you showed me. Mm-hmm. But I'm on a job right now where I feel like I can't do any of the communication because I don't understand the creative part very well. And it's it's making me feel like a bad director <laughs> in a way. Because I have the production designer calling me, the wardrobe stylist calling me, the DP calling me, and they're all saying like, so what's the plan? And I'm like sending them mood boards with like a million mm-hmm. things on them. And they're like, what am I supposed to do with this? And I was like, I don't know. This is what I got. What do you make of this? <laughs> and they're like, well, do you want me to choose some images from this mood board and make them? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's this weird thing where I realized that you know, sometimes even when you don't know the creative, like you need to be a leader in some way. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard when that that half of the creative you're not you're you're messing up on. And so I feel like I uh I'm I'm failing a little bit uh at directing. It's gonna be okay, Oren. It's gonna be okay. Thanks. Another thing you're you're kind of hinting at that I have a hard time with is that in a scenario where you're paid to apply your artistry to someone else's product or end goal, right? When you're doing Mm -hmm. a commercial, for instance, or any sort of gig for hire, it's hard because 
I almost always know what I would prefer to do. Like if it was my, if it was just my decision, I know what I would do or rather I would make my mind up really quickly if I didn't, Mm -hmm. because that's part of, that's the job is like, think about it, make a decision, move on. But when creative is soft, like what you're describing, where it's like unclear or people are kind of hoping for the best, it gets really frustrating because we are the conduit from a created creative agency to a crew. Right. We we're are like their executors. To, we're executing their plan. But also it's our fault if that plan isn't executed, even if the plan is unclear. Right. And I did do my first attempt was to say, Hey, this plan seems very open-ended. You're kind of showing me a lot of images and ideas. And so here's my plan. I'm taking yours. I'm putting it into a Mm step-by-step plan. Which is oftentimes the ask, right? Like Mm -hmm. if uh, creatives are meant to just be a little loosey-goosey and woo-woo, otherwise they just do our jobs for us. And sometimes they want to, you know? Yeah. But then when I offered the plan, they were like, no, that's not really what we were thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, And they kind of tried to redirect me in ways that made my plan way, way more vague again. What, what's strange about this whole conversation and scenario is that this happens all the time, but the solution is, oh, they just don't hire us, right? We'll get the creative, we'll pitch our take, and then they'll be like, oh, well, Oren didn't get it. So-and-so did. Right. We're going with them. But it's, it's, it's unique that like you were awarded the job, which was competitive. Right. And also there's this, um, out of sync sort of situation going. So yeah, let us know how it goes, man. It's kind of, I think it's probably not that uncommon. Like you, we've heard stories where someone has been hired to direct a movie and then the entire script changes like page one Mm -hmm. rewrite, but they're Mm -hmm. still the director, but now it's like. Actually, maybe not the movie that they would direct and they have to basically figure out how, but don't get me wrong. Like, I think I'm super excited about this project. I think it's going to be awesome. I'm just, it's coming up really fast. I have to shoot it in literally five days (laughs) and I, by the time you hear this podcast, I have to shoot it in two days. Um, and, and at this moment, I don't know where we're shooting, how we're shooting, what we're shooting. And it's not simple. It's a, it's a massive, mm-hmm. like 10 person choreographed extravaganza mm-hmm. of weirdness that um, is not quite honed in yet. Anyhow, well, ask me about it next time you see me and I'll let yeah, you know. We'll follow up. If I manage to focus <laughs> the insanity. And in the meantime, do you have a few more minutes to hang out and endorse with me? Yeah, Matt, I'm shocked you're asking me. I've done, I've said yes every single time for the last like 395 episodes. I feel like every once in a while we're like, we'll, we'll do it later. And you know that 396 is my favorite number. So mm-hmm. yeah, 395 is the second, <clears throat> second favorite. So of course I'm going to endorse with you. Unpaid endorsements. So this is actually like an idea I stole from Jordan Brady. And I hate to, I hate to mention Jordan Brady on like 80% of our podcasts because I don't want to give him any of our business. Mm-hmm. I don't want someone to hear me say it and then accuse me of stealing it from him. So I'm just giving credit to him, even though I thought of it on my own. He 
had talked about how when he has Zoom calls, which today, nowadays, if you're a director, whether you're doing features or TV or anything, I guarantee you, you're having a lot of meetings on Zoom. And I guarantee you that some of those meetings affect whether people want to work with you or not. Mm-hmm. Whether you're sure. trying to get an actor yeah. attached or be hired by someone or whatever it is. Um, and something that I've, that Jordan Brady mentioned and I'm trying to emulate was that when he brings out his like good microphone for the zoom meeting, people are like, Oh, I'm listening. You know, that, that mm-hmm. there is mm-hmm. a different quality to talking into like, you know, we use our, our mics for the podcast. I use mine for zoom meetings and, you know, Google meets or whatever, uh, every day. And people do a lot of times comment like, oh, look at that microphone. It's got a, today some guy called it a spit guard. It's actually a pop filter, but. <laughs> same, same though, kind of. It's a sneeze guard. Yeah. For my microphone yeah. buffet. Uh, no, but it, I do think that as directors. Gives you a little authority. Our voice is very important because mm-hmm. we're trying to communicate our ideas on these calls by talking and showing things. And so I have become in the last year a big believer in getting a really good microphone for your computer. It doesn't have to be expensive. Like we have the Audio-Technica 2020. 2020s. Yeah, yeah, they have one that just is a USB version that you can just plug straight into your computer and use it on Zoom calls. You got to get a stand too. I, I just think it changes the dynamic. And when you start talking or you start pitching, it's that versus you on your AirPods, you know, that are kind of like tinny. Anyhow, Matt, I've been dying to know why is your unpaid endorsement today so eh? <laughs> well, I'll tell you why it's so eh. Uh, you know, it could be better. Um, uh, that's funny because I was going to say it's one that you would really like. Uh, so my endorsement <laughs> is um, I doubt it. a Chrome plugin specifically okay. for Google Meets that... Mm, my favorite type of Meets. Uh, it's called Tactic, T-A-C-T-I-Q. And it is an AI note-taking app. So basically, when you're in Google Meet, it will transcribe everything, and then it will use ChatGPT to spit you out a um, summary with action items of the things that you had in your meeting. Earlier in the show, when you're talking to people and you, it's less a creative thing. It's not. It's not for script notes. It's not for like, oh, we needed to punch this joke harder, and this was unclear for me. It's not none of that. It's like, okay. We've got a meeting where we need to cover these different th- things about the schedule. And I did this, I need to circle back with this person and we need to, you know, uh, plan this three weeks out, all of that stuff. It's easy to get lost um, and uh, makes things much better for sure. That's awesome. And it's free. Mm-hmm. Tactic T A C T I Q. Well, Matt, I'll let you go to sleep because you had an, a really weird uh, time last night. Or install the show I heard mm-hmm. at the live show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even get a word in edgewise. Mm-hmm. Is this thing on? Yeah, sorry. It was odd that I was in charge of the mics and your mic was never on. Yeah. I apologize. Coincidence? For that. I think not. All right. Well, everyone, uh, it was wonderful to see you at the show. Hopefully it went, it goes great. And if you have any questions or concerns, you can email us at justshootapod at gmail.com. And please send your concerns. If you have concerns, send them to Matt at justshootapod at gmail.com. If you have compliments or just want to mm-hmm. talk about cool stuff, just send it to me at justshootapod at gmail.com. <laughs> yep. There you go. Uh, and you can follow me across all social media at Mr. Matt Enlow especially letterboxed more followers i'm seeing it people how many are followers how many followers do you have 
I, I don't know how many, but it is mm, a small classic. number. But I got somebody responded to a review I wrote um, just the other day, and it's really fun. So I, I'm happy to Which have. Which movie did you review that you got responded to? Uh, they're all kids' movies. <laughs> Come on, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I'm probably, I'm probably, I, I have a list of every movie that Nora has like seen. Coco Melon goes to the zoo. Nah, man, we're watching real movies. We just watched the Muppet movie with her. It was great. The Muppet movie. Yeah, you know, it was a response on uh, Turning Red. Have you seen that one? Yes. Matt, I gotta go. Respond to your letterbox review. <laughs> I loved it, man. That movie is great. No, it that is movie good. I like is it. Really, yeah, I really, really loved it. Anyway. I like it. I'll watch any movie about a boy band. Anyhow, uh, I'm at O'Kaplan across all social media. This episode was edited by Noah Bayshore. Our producer is Tyler Small. You're listening to music from the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar, and we will catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.